This morning, for a few moments, I want to preach on a thought called times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. Can you say that with me? Everybody shout, times of refreshing. Say it real loud. Times of refreshing. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that it's been pretty hot outside? All right, five people. I said, how many works outside? If you work outside in the heat for eight hours, stand up. I want everyone that works outside in the heat. I want to tell y'all, you guys are awesome. You know, working out in the heat. Do you know what? They said that um, June, on the news, June was the hottest month on record in, I think, like 15 years. The hottest on record. And if you agree that they're right, say amen. (laughs) How many... I think you know what we need to do. God is good, but whoever invented air conditioning, I want to give you, I just want to thank you. Whoever invented, <laughs> I don't know who invented it, but whoever invented air conditioning, thank God for him. Amen? And so I uh, was praying about what to speak, and so we're doing a sermon series on, everybody say sermon series, called Times of Refreshing, and this will be for the next three weeks. So it starts today. I need you to show up next week, all right, to hear part two. And the last Sunday of July, I need you to show up for part three, all right? So every Sunday, we're going to talk about a time of refreshing. Times of refreshing. How many just needs to be refreshed spiritually? How many would agree with me? Say, I just need to be refreshed spiritually. Amen. And so I I encourage you to come to the sermon series and open your heart up and listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to convey to you and also myself, times of refreshing. Since it's been so hot outside, I, I think that we need a spiritual refreshing as well. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19, Acts 3 and verse number 19, the apostle said to the church, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The apostle stood on the day of Pentecost and proclaimed that a time of refreshing was coming from the Lord. He said that this time of refreshing would come if the church or those that were assembled that day would repent of their sin. Now, repentance is not a common word we like to hear of nowadays, but it is a scriptural, biblical principle in the Bible that if you repent, the Bible says, a time of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. If you think of refreshing, in the Bible, there's many different uh, definitions for what it means to be refreshed. There's a biblical picture and there's a physical picture. Everybody shout biblical. And then there is a physical picture associated with refreshing. Because anything, sometimes anything that's natural can be uh, correspondent to the spiritual. And so when you think of refreshing, the Bible has at least four different definitions of what it means by refreshing. Number one, it means rest. Everybody say rest. Everybody shout rest. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that when you get a good night's rest, you have the potential to be refreshed. Somebody say amen. And when you don't get sleep, you don't get refreshed. You know what? Uh, When you don't sleep, you become aggravated at little things. When you don't eat, you become aggravated and 
and, and you become frustrated and you can't think clearly. Rest is a biblical principle in the Bible. And when you rest physically, there is a refreshing that occurs. You should rest as an individual. You should rest physically. You know, the Bible says in Exodus, this, the Bible is clear that you should rest. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 12, I want you to listen to Moses. He says to the people, he says, six days you shall do your work. He says, I want you to work six days, but on the seventh day, I want you to rest. I want your ox and your donkey. They may rest. I want your animals to rest. And the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. You see, when you rest physically, you will be refreshed. It's important that we rest. Now, I am, I'm not the best at this, and the Holy Spirit is, is working on my heart to rest more because I believe that a spiritual Sabbath is important. And so when you rest physically, you will be refreshed. So the first definition of what it means to be refreshed is resting physically. The Bible is clear about that. God worked and then He rested. So you will be refreshed if you rest. Number two, drinking a cool drink will refresh you. How many knows that drinking cool water on a hot day is refreshing? Lemonade or something that's cold will refresh you. The Bible is clear about that. In Judges chapter number, uh, I think it's 15, verse number 18 through 19, uh, is speaking of Samson here. He became very thirsty and he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given me this great deliverance by the hand of your servant and now I shall die by thirst. And he says, and I'm going to fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. So what did God do? He split the rock and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned and he was revived. Another word here for revived is refreshed. So drinking a cold drink of water is refreshing. You see this water up here? This is so refreshing. Drinking water can refresh you. Resting physically can refresh you. You see, if you don't rest physically, if you don't drink a cool drink of water, it may affect you physically. So what does it mean to be refreshed? Well, the Bible has four different definitions. Rest physically. Well, you could drink something that could refresh you, just like Samson. Well, number three, music can refresh you. I thought that was odd, but the Scripture is clear about that. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 23, 1 Samuel 16, 23, you know that Saul was very vexed by demonic spirits. David, who was not only, uh, not only was he a shepherd boy, but he also had the ability to play a harp. He, had, he was musically inclined. And so the Scripture says in verse 23, and so it was whenever the, Spirit, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. And Saul would become refreshed and well. And the depressing spirit would depart from him. So ladies and gentlemen, music has the potential to refresh you. Not all music, but music can have the potential to refresh your soul. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that you've had a bad day before and you turned on some music and as you were listening to the music, you became spiritually refreshed? Raise your hand. You became spiritually refreshed. As if when you were listening to the music, it seems as though the Holy Spirit did something in your life. You know, when I am praying in my own prayer time, not only do I read the book of Psalms, 
But I also listen to music at the end of my prayer time. Sometimes the Lord has ministered to me in multiple ways when I've listened to the right music that He's wanted me to listen to. Let me say this, ladies and gentlemen, it takes godly music to relieve stress. Some, some music will add stress to you. Amen? Some music will add the burden. I don't want to listen to a tear in my beer. That doesn't relieve me or refresh me. Can I hear an amen? I don't want to listen to music that I can't understand the words to. Am I right about it? You, if, if the music is louder than the words, there's a problem. Alright, and so, uh, and I, let me just, can I just preach a little bit here? Trash in is trash out, so you've got to be careful of what you're listening to. You need to listen to something that edifies your spirit, builds your spirit up, and refreshes you in the presence of God. So music has a way, just like it refreshed Saul, it can refresh you today. Everybody shout this out, i got to get some rest. Somebody say, i got to drink some water. Somebody say, i got to listen to the right stuff. And the last thing, the last thing, Pastor David, as I was studying this Scripture, about what does it mean to be refreshed, the last definition in Scripture that I could find is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings refreshment. The Holy Spirit brings a refilling. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings that refreshing. You see, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31 and verse 25, He says, For I have saturated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. The prophet said, There's coming a day, if you read the verses, uh, the chapter before that, the prophet said, There's coming a day that God is going to take out the stony heart. He's going to give you a new heart. Then the prophet begins to prophesy some more and says, He's going to saturate your weary soul and He's going to replenish every sorrowful soul. I'm glad that we serve a God that can saturate us and replenish us and refresh us when we feel like we're at the bottom of the barrel. Somebody say amen. So the Holy Spirit brings a refreshing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, on the day of Pentecost, there was a, there was a uh, the, uh, disciple, uh, Peter, stood up on the day of Pentecost And he proclaimed from the book of Joel, he said, And it shall come to pass that in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Can I stop there and say something to you? When you study the Bible, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it was sprinkled upon the people at various times. So sometimes the Spirit would come upon somebody in the Old Testament and they would prophesy. Occasionally, the Spirit would fall upon a band of prophets and they would all glorify God. So throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit was given sporadically at different times. It was sprinkled upon the people. But the prophet, the the disciple, stood up on the day of Pentecost and said there's something different that's happening. God is not only going to sprinkle His people any longer, God's going to pour the Spirit out upon His people. No longer will the Spirit be sporadic. No longer is there just a group of people that will prophesy. Not only is there just a select group of people that will feel the Spirit and be in operation in the Spirit, 
But the apostle said, God is shifting in this new generation. God is doing something different in this new generation. The Spirit won't just be sprinkled on the people at various times. The Spirit now will be poured upon the people. The Spirit was only given to a select few in the Old Testament. But now in this new dispensation, Peter says, your men will prophesy, and even women, they're going to prophesy. The old is going to prophesy, and the young is going to prophesy. No longer is the Spirit given out sporadically just on male or just on the male gender like it did in the Old Testament. But now the Spirit will be poured out upon everyone who is thirsty, who wants to be refreshed. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you that rest for the body is good. Drinking a cold drink of water will refresh you. Can I hear an amen? Those things will refresh you. Music will refresh you. But nothing substitutes for the power and the presence of God that can refresh a sin-sick soul and put its course back to the course of greatness. The Holy Spirit now is being poured out, not sporadically, but now He's being poured out on all flesh. Not a select group of people like it did in the Old Testament, but it's poured on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. The Holy Spirit brings refreshment. The Holy Spirit brings a refreshing to His people. You see, Jesus, even before the Spirit was given, Jesus told a thirsty woman who came to the well. The Bible says in John 7 and verse 38, he says to this woman, if you believe in me, as the Scripture has said, out of your heart shall flow rivers of living water. That woman was searching. Jesus said, how many husbands do you have? <laughs> how, many, how many husbands do you have? She was searching for something that would satisfy the longing of her soul. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. If you, if you come after me and drink of this water, you will, you will never thirst again. I will give you something that that person can never give you. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a thirsty world. People are running after the mighty dollar. People are running after this and they're running after that, thinking that it will fill them and quench their thirst. But ladies and gentlemen, those things only bring you to a dead end. It will never satisfy the longing of the soul of man. It will never satisfy the longing of the soul of man. You can search and search and search, but there's only one thing and only one person that can satisfy the void in your heart, and that is Christ Jesus, who is the Lord. How do you get this refreshing? I mean, how do you get it? I mean, it's good. I mean, these are good principles, but how do you really get it? Well, first of all, let me say to you that this is a hard thing. You see, Christianity is not a checklist. It's not a, it's not a thing that you check off that you went to church and you gave and you did right and you witnessed and you did these things. Christianity is not a checklist. Christianity is the religion of the heart. You see, I can preach and preach sermons. I can get you excited. But if your heart is not touched and changed and transformed, then I am just speaking merely words to you. And these words have no power. It is a heart thing. Your heart has to be open. Your heart has to be receptive to the preaching of the Word. Your heart has to be teachable to what's going forth. 
You've got to do self-evaluation of your life. You see, if I just preach a sermon and you don't receive it, how do you receive this word that I'm preaching? You've got to do self-evaluation. You've got to ask yourself, is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to rearrange? Is there something I need to work on? You see, you've got to do that because Jesus said, if, if, the, if, the, if the tree does not bear fruit, He's going to cut it down. You've got to bear fruit. You've got to listen. You've got to obey. You see, obedience, you don't, have to, you don't have to ask God to bless you when you're walking in obedience. You don't have to ask God to bless you when you walk in obedience. When you walk in obedience, the blessing of God is automatic on your life. So how do you receive this refreshing from the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, it's a heart thing. God has to do it in your heart. You have to be receptive and teachable and open to the Word of God and receive it and do self-evaluation. But if you wanted some points, let me just give you a few points. Number one, if you want a refreshing from the Spirit of God, if you want to have that refreshing of the Spirit in your life, then number one, you've got to repent. The Bible is clear in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. The Scripture is very clear. I just read it to you, but let me read it to you. Again, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Is there something in your life that you need to get rid of? Is there something in your life that the Holy Spirit is dealing with? Is there a mess in your life that the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, you need to clean this up. You need to straighten up. There are some things that you need to get right with me. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll never receive a refreshing from the Holy Spirit unless you have an attitude of repentance. Unless there's an attitude that I want to be right with God. <laughs> there's never going to be a refreshing from the Spirit of God unless you walk in a spirit of repentance. What about it? Do you treat your sins like you treat your laundry? Just bundle up all your laundry and throw it in there and wash it? The Spirit is saying, don't, don't treat your sins like that. You need to pick up the shirt and you need to acknowledge that there is a stain on the shirt. And the stain is there because I did it and I put it there. Don't lump your sins together and say, Lord, just forgive me and go on with your life. Make sure you acknowledge that the reason that this has happened in my life is because I did it. I made this decision. I acknowledge the stain on this shirt. You see, David said in Psalms 51, I think, David had a repentant spirit. You see, David knew he didn't deserve the mercy of God, but David had a repentant spirit. The Bible says in Psalm 51 and verse 1, David had this heart that was teachable. He wanted to be right with God. And David did experience a refreshing from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 51 and verse number 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, he says. Verse 3, look at what he says here. Verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is before me. I acknowledge that I did it. And I come before you, Lord, and I'm sorry. You see, refreshing will never happen unless you acknowledge the sin, unless you repent of the sin, unless you walk uprightly before the Lord. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord but he that hath clean hands 
and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. If you want to approach the Lord, has clean hands and a pure heart. A clean hand and a pure heart. Verse number 10, Psalm 51 verse 10, David further says this, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Then he says, I'm about to shout here, verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of salvation. Do you know what another word for restore is? Refresh me to the joy of salvation. You see, when there is a spirit of repentance, when there is a spirit that God, I want you to do, make me a clean heart, there will be a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in your life. So number one, how do I have a refreshing from the Lord? Walk before the Lord with a pure heart. Have a teachable spirit. Have a repentant spirit. You want God to make you clean and whole. Number one, it is a repentant spirit. Number two, how can I have a refreshing from the Lord? Fellowship. Fellowship. Now I know that you want me to give you some big theological term here, but this is Scripture. That is why it's important that you fellowship with your brothers and sisters. The Scripture is clear in Acts 2 that you must assemble together. You see, the head cannot say to the body, it hath no need of you. And the body cannot say to the head, I have no need of you. You are commanded together. You are commanded together together to assemble ourselves together because not only are we called to glorify God and to worship God as a community of believers, but we are also called to refresh one another through fellowship. It's good when we are connected to one another. It's good when we fellowship with one another. Have you ever sat down with a brother and sister from the church and you ate a good meal with them and when you left you just felt refreshed in the Spirit? You see, that was a principle in the Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus would sit down with sinners and eat with them. Jesus would sit down with tax collectors and eat with them. Jesus would sit down and have a meal with them. He developed relationships with them, and thus, He won them to the Gospel. There is something about fellowship that refreshes the soul of man. Getting together, being with family, fellowshipping with one another. You see, what do you do at a table? When you sit at a table, you meet a need. Not only do you meet the need physically, but you meet the need spiritually when you fellowship with one another. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 30, Romans chapter 15 verse 30, Paul, I assume it's Paul here, Paul writing this, he says, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together through prayers for me. He says, pray for me. That I, that I would be delivered from those in Judah who do not believe. Now get this. He says, now I want you to pray for me. And then he goes on, he says, uh, go on. He says, and that my service for Jerusalem may be accepted to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of the Lord, and, you, and we may be refreshed together with you. You see, there's something about coming together that refreshes us. If you don't like church people or like to hang out with church people or fellowship with people, then you're not going to be refreshed. You've got to come together. Refresh. Church is not about you. It could be for someone else. Your handshake, your pat on the back, 
your smile, your how are you doing, I'm praying for you, has the potential to refresh somebody in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I as your pastor am asking you, please be a river and not a reservoir. I am asking you, please be a river and not a reservoir. Refresh somebody in your life. Be a hero instead of a zero. Be an encouragement to somebody's life. Be a river and not a reservoir. Open your mouth. Be complimentary. Say the truth. Be an encouragement to someone. It has the potential to change their life. You see, how am I to be refreshed? It's hot outside, folks. But how am I supposed to be refreshed? Spiritually, it's always through the Holy Spirit with a teachable heart, through repentance, through fellowship. And also it's through serving, serving, serving. You see, when God saved you, He didn't save you for you to sit on a church pew. He didn't save you so you can sit sour and soak. He saved you so that you could be active and that you can work. You see, if you look at the Bible, it's a whole dimension. God wants to do something holistic in your life. He wants you to worship God with your heart. He wants you to learn the Word with your head. He wants you to work with your hands. He wants you to witness with your feet. Worship. Word. Work. Witness. That's a holistic view. It's good to love God. It's good to come to church. But you don't, you can't forget the hands. You gotta work. You gotta work. Can't forget the feet. You gotta witness. You gotta witness. It's, it's worship. It's word. It's work. It's, it's witness. You are refreshed. Not only, not only through the Holy Spirit, but you're refreshed when you understand that fellowship is very, very important. That serving is very, very, very important. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, you know, Paul was very clear that he says, he says, I, I'm in chains here. He says, I'm in Rome and I'm in chains. He says, there's people after me. He says, there's people after me. He says, he, in one case, he said, I'm discouraged. He says, but the Lord granted me mercy. The Lord granted me mercy in verse number 18. Going to the next verse. He says, The Lord granted me mercy and He brought refreshment to me. First, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 18. Let's see if it's up there. Amen. Or 17. He says, The Lord granted me mercy and I was refreshed. Who was He refreshed by? He was refreshed by people in His life. He was refreshed because people were serving Him. There's something about serving that refreshes you. It's something about giving that refreshes you. Have you ever did a good deed and you walked away and you just felt good that you did it? There's something about being refreshing. If you feel like you're in a dry spot, if you feel like, man, I just can't get over it, then have a repentant spirit. Make sure that you are fellowshipping and, and with one another and make sure you get involved and that you serve with one another. You know, in closing today, as I was reading the Scriptures, there was a prominent Scripture that came to me that I think is so, so very, very important. I'm going to close with this story, and it has to do with serving today. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you, Pastor. Everybody say, I'm with you, Pastor. 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse number 20. 2 Kings 13, 20. Now, I just want to end with this story today of how you can be refreshed. 
Now I want you to see this story because this is so powerful. How many remembers the story of Elijah and Elisha? Raise your hand. Elijah was the mentor. Elisha was the mentee. Okay? And the Bible says that Elisha died. Everybody say he died. And they buried him. Everybody say and they buried him. And there was some some Moabites coming along. The Bible says they were raiding the land. In other words, they were stealing the land. They were stealing stuff in the land. They were raiding the land. And so the Bible says there is this a couple people that had the body of had a body, a dead corpse. Okay? And so the Bible says, and as they were burying a man, suddenly they they spied these people who were raiding the land. And and what did they do with this dead corpse? They had this dead corpse and they just threw this dead corpse in the tomb. And this dead corpse, when it hit the tomb, it hit the bones of Elijah, or Elisha. And the Bible says that this dead corpse revived and stood on its feet. Now here's a dead man, just a random dead man. These people are carrying a, red, a random dead man. They notice that the enemy is raiding the land. So out of fear, they just threw this dead corpse into a tomb. This dead corpse touches the bones of Elisha and these dead bones just stood up and revived. When you look at this story, verse number 20, verse number 20, the enemy came at the spring of the year. Now why is that important? Because the spring of the year in the Jewish calendar is harvest time. So you had a harvest, you had a season where you sowed the seed in the ground because that's how they made their livelihood. They sowed the seed and then there would be a season where you would reap what you sowed. Physically. So at the time of harvest time, which was every spring of the year, the enemy came. And let me just tell this church something, that the enemy always comes at harvest time. The enemy always comes right before you get a breakthrough. The enemy always comes right before you are destined for a breakthrough. And so I want to tell some of you, don't give up. Don't get tired. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say it's not worth it because you're on the verge of a breakthrough because it's harvest time. So the enemy comes at harvest time and then guess what? That dead corpse was thrown into the tomb. And that dead corpse, because it touched the bones of Elisha, those dead bones lived again. You know what I want you to see? Get this. The dead corpse, a random dead person, thrown into the tomb of Elisha, hit his bones, and he got up and stood on his feet. You know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I read this? I'm just going to have him put it behind me. This is what he said to me. <laughs> this is so good. You all ready? Everybody say, I'm ready for it, Pastor. He said this. Never count something that is dead. Don't count something that is dead if the Word of God is upon it. Because the Word of God and the presence of God was upon the bones of Elisha. And the only reason 
that that thing stood up and began to be revived is because it came in contact with the power and the presence of God. There are some of you that you are counting things dead in your life. You look at the tomb and, and it's dead. And all you see is bones. All you see is just lifeless bones in a graveyard somewhere. But I want to remind you that if the Word of the Lord has put His hand upon those bones and the Word of the Lord is upon that, it doesn't matter how bad it stinks. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. If the Word of God is upon it, it's going to come to life one day. You hear me? Don't give up. Don't give up no matter how bad it looks. Don't give up no matter how bleak it looks. Don't give up no matter if there's only bones that's left. If God has given you a prophetic word, then I'm telling you it's going to come to pass. Sometimes I get phone calls in the middle of the night. I mean, and I say this respectfully out of a heart of love. Scary phone calls. Being rushed to the hospital and stomach being pumped. I mean, just all that stuff. But something happened to me as I was praying one day. Because if I look at the tomb... All I see is bones. I don't, I don't see no life. I don't see no hope. I don't see how in the world God could ever do anything. But one day I was praying and the Lord gave me a word that set my soul free. So it doesn't matter what kind of phone calls I get anymore. It don't matter because I already got a word. And it doesn't matter how what I see. It doesn't matter what bones I see. I got a word on it. And as I was praying, I'm about to shout up in here, Woo! as I was praying, as I had my head down and I was praying at my house, I was seeking the Lord in my living room praying, had my Bible open and the Lord gave me this word, 2 Timothy 4.18, 2 Timothy 4.18, they'll put it behind me. And this was the word of the Lord that God gave me, 2 Timothy 4 verse 18, as I was praying, the Lord said, this is the word that you are to stand upon. And the Lord says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory and glory forever and ever. Amen. I got the word. I got the word. No matter how bleak it looks, no matter what kind of bones is in the graveyard, no matter what it looks like, I got a word on it. And the word is, he's going to preserve him for his heavenly kingdom and he's going to deliver them from every evil work. I want to let... Somebody just needs to get a word. No matter how bleak it looks. No matter how many bones you see. Get a word. Now, why is this important? What does this have to do with refreshing? Well, I'm glad you're here. Because I'm going to get ready to tell you. This man, Elisha, that had so much power, that even at his death, he was able Cause a dead corpse to come alive. That's power. What was the secret of this power? People, I hear people say all the time, Oh God, I want to be used of you. Use me, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. Well, here you go. Because this man was used mightily. And you see a principle that you cannot deny. The Bible says in 2 Kings 3.11, 2 Kings 3.11, this powerful man, Jehoshaphat, said, is there not a prophet here? He says, I'm looking for a prophet that we may acquire of the Lord 
They said, well, you know, there's a servant. You know, you've, you've heard of that servant, Elisha, you know. He said, that servant, Elisha, he says, he's up, he's up yonder. You remember Elisha. He poured water on the hands of Elisha. This powerful man, Elisha, poured water on the hands of Elijah. Everybody say he poured water. Everybody say he poured water. Then, the scripture says in 2 Kings 2.14, it made a reference to his life. 2 Kings 2.14, look at this scripture. Then he took the mantle, this is Elisha, took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen on him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now hold on. Y'all ready for this? This is the principle that you see in his life that made him so powerful. Before Elisha parted the waters, he first poured the water on the hands of the servant. I'm going to say that again. Before he parted the waters, it was a miracle. That's power. Before Elisha parted the waters with the mantle of Elijah, he parted the waters with power. He first poured the water on the servant's hands. How did this man become so powerful? He became so powerful and anointed and used by God because he served before he parted the waters. If you're not willing to pour the water on somebody's hands, God's not going to use you to part the waters with power. Did you all just hear what Pastor Joshua said? If you're not willing to pour the water on somebody's hands, he is not going to use you to part the waters. If you can't serve somebody and serve with a right heart, if you've got to have the attitude that you've got to be first and recognized and pleased and honored and get all the attention, then you're not going to part the waters. It takes somebody with a humble heart and a spirit of humility that's willing to pour the water on the servant's hands. That represents service. Before you are used to part the waters. And let me say this. When the prophet poured the water on the servant's hands, it was an act that nobody saw. And if you can serve privately without getting the recognition and the honor, and you could serve privately by pouring water when nobody else has seen it, God will promote you and He will use you to part the waters publicly where everybody sees the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Church, can you pour the water with a good attitude? Can you serve with a good... Can you pour the water without being noticed? Because you'll never part the waters if you can't first learn to pour the water on somebody's hands. That's how you're refreshed. Refreshment is not given so you can stay away from church. I'll stay home today because I need rest. 
You come because you know that fellowship and serving the Holy Spirit is a part of refreshment. Yes, physically you need it. But you cannot neglect the spiritual refreshment from the Lord. Cannot neglect it. You won't be refreshed if you don't repent. If you don't fellowship with brothers and sisters, you won't be refreshed. You won't be refreshed if you don't learn how to pour the water before He promotes you to part the water. See, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, the Bible says very clearly that Paul is telling Timothy, he says, and these things you have heard from among many witnesses. Now listen, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others. Stop. What did he say? Faithful men who are able. In other words, Paul is saying this way. Faithfulness comes before ability. I don't care how talented you are, how gifted and anointed you are, according to the Apostle Paul, faithfulness comes before your talent. Faithfulness comes before ability. If you could serve faithfully and you can be faithful and pour the water, He will promote you to part the water. You've got to be faithful first. If you want God to use you, if you want to, if you want to be used, you've got to be faithful. Faithful men at first. Faithful men who are able. Faithful with your giving and faithful with your attendance. Being consistent with your Christian life. Please don't be inconsistent with consistency. Be consistent. God doesn't promote talent. He doesn't promote availability. He promotes faithfulness. Commit these people. Give it to people who are faithful. They Faithful people will be able people. But able people are not always faithful people. It's hot outside, folks. For the next three weeks, we're going to get refreshed. I said it's hot outside, folks. And for the next three weeks, we're going to get refreshed. I said it's hot outside, folks. And for the next three weeks, we're going to get refreshed. Repent. Fellowship. Serve. Pour the water. God will promote you to part the waters. Be faithful. Don't give up. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today? Hallelujah.